to speak to us, uh, Mr. Kotwa. As always, thank you very much. Let's first start with reports uh, of you criticizing the court decision. Can you confirm that you are indeed critical of it and you are in disagreement with the judge's findings? I think uh, criticism in any democratic society is something that must be welcomed, including some of the judgments that come out of the court. I think as much as people must welcome them in the context of our constitution and the democracy, our constitutional democracy underpinned by the rule of law, I don't think any suggestion, any person expresses a view about what comes of court, it must be such that it's anti-judiciary, you're undermining the rule of law. Our view is that there are certain matters that, in our view, in the two orders that have been given by the same court, uh, does raise issues of the coalition between the judiciary and the executive authority. And is that issue for us that I think necessarily it needs not just interpretation, but it needs engagement. In what sense? You're saying the coalition or the relationship between the judiciary and the executive, if we're talking about, uh, you know, the independence of the judiciary, surely that is something that is standard and uh, not only instilled in the Constitution, but that should be acceptable. Separation of powers. The principle of a separation of power is not a debate. I, I think even the independence of the judiciary is not under question. Mm. But if you look at the relationship between the executive, these two arms of state, the, the executive and the judiciary, whether you look at the theoretically thin line, given the fact that executive at some point will develop policies and formulate policies, judiciary will interpret those policies in the context of the law, there will always be a conflict. And I think we must appreciate that conflict, but that conflict must not undermine one of the two arms of state in terms of their constitutional responsibility, including the authority, in our view, of, of, the, of, of the executive. For an example, the issue we raise, the judges, I think the panel of judges, makes a point about the AU, we must remember the point we made earlier, that President al-Bashir, for example, was not in South Africa at the behest of South Africa's government. He was invited by the African Union. So this was a multilateral meeting, and there's an international practice that people who attend such forums are given diplomatic uh, immunity. The judge says, no, immunity does not apply to head of state. It applies to commission and staff. Our view, differently, is that head, people who would head delegates to any multilateral meeting is head of state. So whatever interpretation, perhaps this is what the Constitutional Court or any other court, because we've got a recourse in South Africa, must give us a correct interpretation. If we're talking about a delegation, and that delegation naturally is headed by the head of state, must we then specify in the regulation or in whatever statutes that delegation including or means the head of state. But is the Rome Statute not specific itself in relation to that? I mean, if it does not grant immunity to heads of state, it seeks to be specific. Why would the interpretation be different if we are looking at uh, immunity extended by the AU laws or the Immunities Act of South Africa? 
The meeting which was held in South Africa was not a meeting organized by South Africa, and it's important to understand this point. It was the AU, it was a multilateral forum, and that's why we made a point earlier in one of the platforms which you allowed us to speak, that even the most hated despot who will attend a meeting of the United Nations in America, I mean in New York, they will be protected under the international practice. And that's why we even made the point that President Omar al-Bashir has been to more than six countries who are signatories to, to Rome Statute before he came to South Africa. There wasn't this problem. Part of the problem is that it would have been difficult to implement both today's order and the earlier order of the court. For an example, if we had to, at that point, to arrest President Omar al-Bashir, it would have left a bloodbath because any president is surrounded by 20 or 50 women uh, who surround him, who are given a responsibility to protect him. It would have led to a bloodbath immediately at that point. But secondly, it would have led to a national declaration of a war with another country having to arrest a, a sitting president. What this does, it raises not just overlaps, it raises an important issue. Whether ICC and its membership has it understood the implication of its members, the fact that it does not have a police force, what are the implications of an estate? Let's talk about that, Mr. Godra, because... A hitting, a hitting head of another Let's state. speak and about that, Mr. Godra, because the judge says, ahead of the AU summit, the government itself, cabinet following a decision published in the government gazette that all delegates and staff attending the African Union summit would enjoy immunity, but it did not state heads of state. If that were your interpretation as a government, why was that not included? Secondly, when you talk about a bloodbath uh, that would have resulted as a consequence of the arrest of the Sudanese president, can you confirm reports suggesting that in order to ensure the safe return of the Sudanese president, there were South African soldiers that were held hostage? No, the last point was clarified. Um, I'm not the uh, uh, responsible person to confirm on those issues, but the, both the South African Defence Force, the Ministry and the Government of South Africa have denied, including the Sudanese government, has denied that as nothing else but just uh, okay. media reports. But as regards to the first issue you raised, quite important to us, there is no way, even if you look at the United Nations, it does not specify a delegation. It does not state that delegation, including the head of state. And I think delegation, because it is assumed a delegation coming from South Africa, among others, the head of state, if it's not a head of state, it will be indicated that the, the, the head of state will not be able to attend and therefore... Uh, dedicated or designated the deputy president, as it has done in a number of instances, to come and attend. So our view, this is not just technical, but it, it does raise an issue, both of overlaps in the interpretation between the executive, but also the judiciary, and I think these overlaps sometimes are not negative. They are very innocent, and they need to be attended okay. because... They come as the maturation of democracy. Finally, the ANC's National Executive Committee has agreed that government should pull out a signatory to the ICC. Have you communicated that decision to government? And if so, as the governing party, is this an instruction or is it a suggestion? If there is anything which today's ruling of the court reaffirms is the correctness of our view, 
that in fact time has come that uh, our government, because the ANC is not a signatory to the Rome statute, our government must consider suspension or just a complete withdrawal. Because clearly, besides the fact that the ICC itself has allowed itself to be used as a tool of to effect regime change and to create uh, instability in the African continent and undermine institutions such as AU on their own, that have got their own regulations, it's clear that we are right that South Africa must consider suspending its uh, membership or completely withdrawal because given what has happened today, you're likely to have serious problems politically uh, going forward. Thank you very much for speaking to us. National AC spokesperson, Mr. Zizigodwa. It's 10 minutes to 5. Rockburn, what's happening out there on the road? Traffic on SAFM. Well, two really big uh, standout areas in terms...